Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where the rich get richer and the prettiest girls get to have two boyfriends. Book number 58, Broken Hearted. Who is Elizabeth's true love? Hello, gladiators. Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries. I'm your host, Marissa Flaxbart, and I am joined once again by Shay Zanotti. Hello, Shay. Hey, Marissa. Uh, So, Shay, you were a guest on Sweet Valley Diaries once before, way back when uh, Family Secrets, I believe, where Kelly Bates was in town having a rough time of it. Yes, the identical cousins. Yes. And when you were a guest on that episode, there were some people who wrote to me that were really excited <laughs> that I had found another guest that was knowledgeable in the, in the ways of Sweet Valley High. <laughs> uh, so I was really thrilled to have you to ask you to be back again to talk today about book number 58, Broken Hearted. And I hope it wasn't too painful for you. I hope you were not broken hearted after having read this book. <sighs> a little, a little. It's an upsetting book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will dig right into it. I, um, as I was telling Shay before we got started, Gladiators, one of the reasons why I thought this would be a good opportunity to have her back uh, if she was willing, which thank you, Shay, for being willing, was that I know you are a big fan of Mr. Jeffrey French and Everything about like the cover of this book and the tease for the previous book is pointing to maybe like final final moments for Jeffrey in terms of being <laughs> Elizabeth's boyfriend. So I thought your presence could be a strong counterpoint to my typically vociferous uh, pro Todd perspective, which you know we'll get into. But <laughs> I think it might actually make so much sense to talk a little bit about the cover of the book right off the bat. It's giving me, first of all, I just have to get this out of the way. They're giving me real Children of the Corn vibes here. Yeah, yeah. I thought that too. I'm like, oh, this is a lot of blondness. They're so blonde. And I don't even have like a particularly faded copy of the book. Sometimes they fade to an even paler, blonder (laughs) uh, look than they usually have. But boy, Jeffrey has never looked so much like... um, Hitler youth. I mean, I'm sorry to project that onto blonde people everywhere, but I, it's almost like flowers in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> well, so he looks pretty sad. He also looks kind of like he is staring into empty space as if he has lost his uh, his vision. Which th- that is not a part of the book, gladiators. That's I mean, we wouldn't put it past uh, Sweet Valley High. In fact, like buckle up for a few books from now. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, but also, we have this shirt that he's wearing, which I mean that 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 pushes us straight back into the eighties, I guess. If we were thinking that maybe this was from a different era, uh, <laughs> never. Can we describe this shirt that Jeffrey's oh, wearing? I mean, it's. Blue, I. He's got uh, blue and green s- vertical stripes on like a button down shirt, but the shades of blue and green are very close to each other. Um, I think Elizabeth oh, looks. Probably to represent her eyes. 
Ah, uh, yes. To, and well, and you know what? The shirt, the like blue green of her eyes. Yeah, sure. The aquamarine mm-hmm. together. And it really is. Elizabeth looks stunning on this cover. She's really, she's got that sad pathos look in her face. But boy, she looks, she's looking pretty. <laughs> Um, this book had a funny line that um, I thought would be useful to us for future covers. If we're ch- Sometimes on these books, it can be a little bit challenging to figure out which one of the twins is which on a cover that has both of them on it. And so I thought there was like a handy little guide very early on in this book where it said, The twin in the wild zebra-striped miniskirt had to be Jessica, while the twin in conservative khakis and a comfortable short-sleeved cotton shirt was bound to be Elizabeth. And that's not describing a literal thing that happens. That's just like Jessica thinking about how, like, what's a good rule of thumb to be able to tell the difference between the two of them. But it sounds like Elizabeth works at Target. <laughs> yes, khakis and a just like a, a sensible shirt, and she and she's wearing like a like a button down like chambray kind of a sh- shirt in in this cover, uh, and has her nails noticeably unpainted. So anyway. They both look very sad on the cover of a book called Brokenhearted, Jeffrey and Elizabeth. Yes. But I mean, they look like a couple who's lost their child tragically or something. Yeah, like Like something. I, I, having not read this book before, part of me was like, is Jeffrey going to (laughs) die? Like, is Jeffrey going to move away? Like, how is this being handled? Like, what's going on here? And the cover of the book certainly leads us to wonder. Um, although the subtitle, Who is Elizabeth's True Love, doesn't point to any other like greater intrigue, <laughs> certainly. At the end of last week, we had this big tease. Turns out Todd Wilkins is moving back to Sweet Valley. Dun, dun, dun. So, Gladiators, if you didn't listen to last week's episode for some reason, now you know. Uh, that's that's what this one's about. Um, and, you know, the the subtitle of the book poses this question, Who is Elizabeth's True Love? How would we say Elizabeth is handling this dilemma at the outset of the book? Poorly. She's having a nervous breakdown from maybe the third page. Yeah. It's just... The book describes her as being sort of like overcome with anxiety in a way that I have to admit I found very relatable. Like she just couldn't stop thinking about this dilemma. Throughout the book, she's like making lists in her head, you know, Todd or Jeffrey, Todd or Jeffrey. She makes it a dilemma before anything has happened. Right. Well, at the beginning of the book, we learn, and I would, if, gosh, if I were Elizabeth, this would be troubling to me, too. We learn that Todd has not contacted Elizabeth at all to say that he's moving home. So she starts finding out that, like, some of his buddies have gotten letters from him, phone calls, and... uh, Elizabeth hasn't heard anything from him about his return. So she's kind of like, who knows if what his deal even is. Maybe he's dating someone. Maybe he decided he hates me. Right, but she's still, he comes home, who will I choose? No one's given you a choice. The man hasn't contacted you. He has not talked to you. Right. Also, what are you expecting from a 16-year-old boy? (laughs) Like, how many handwritten letters do you want from a 16-year-old boy? Well, she's definitely starting from this position of, you'd think that the, like, the, sensible, like the most sensible version of Elizabeth starts out this whole dilemma by thinking, you know what, there's not a problem until there's a problem. So Jeffrey's my boyfriend, I'm just not going to think about Todd. When he shows up, if there's something, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But that is just not where she's at. 
Um, here is where she's at. I can read a little passage here. Um, this is Jessica walking into Elizabeth's room at the beginning of the book and basically just stating the problem outright. You're not exactly jumping up and down about the prospect of Todd moving back, she observed. Don't you want to see him again? Of course I do. Elizabeth tugged at the window shade and it sprang up with a snap. But it's not just a question of seeing him again. He's moving back for good. I just don't know what's going to happen. Oh, you mean because of Jeffrey. They'll have to fight for you, I guess. Like in the old days. A duel. The idea clearly appealed to Jessica. She giggled. Picture Todd and Jeffrey going at it with french fries and the dairy burger. So, Jessica's no help. <laughs> She's excited about how Elizabeth's going to have be the one that has a dramatic storyline in this one for once. It's so romantic being fought over with french fry <laughs> swords. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one other thing that's brought up early on in this book that I don't know if you caught this, but I was really curious if the authors were even going to broach the subject or if they were just going to pretend like it had never happened. But so... Todd Wilkins, Gladiators, if you haven't listened to the podcast from the beginning, if you're not really well-versed in the world of Sweet Valley High as a whole, you may not know anything about Todd Wilkins because he actually hasn't been a part of the books for a while now. Todd Wilkins moved away. I was actually surprised to see this. He moved away way back in book 23, Say Goodbye is when he moved away. And then there was this special edition book called Special Christmas, where he comes back to town for a little while. And Suzanne Devlin, who is from New York and had previously been a real thorn in everyone's sides, uh, in fact, She's the one that, like, like, almost got Mr. Collins fired because she made up a story about him coming on to her. She has reformed, and Todd falls in love with her in the special edition book, Special Christmas. And they, like, she gets mono, but they kiss. I don't know. It's all, <laughs> it's a whole drama. Listen to that one if you have it. It's a very special Christmas. It really is. Listen to that one if you want to hear my dad say, Special Christmas, a bunch of times. He thought it was a really ridiculous title, and it is. But this book takes that information head on. Did you catch that? Did you notice it in passing, Shay? Oh, yeah. They bring it up. It, it's it's so ludicrous, one, that he falls in love over Christmas vacation <laughs> yeah. with a girl that does not live in the same state as him. So, because she's from New York, he's yeah. in Vermont. They're both in California. <laughs> she's living with the Wakefields for the holidays. Like, why? Why <laughs> I don't... Also, I have a hard time with things like the Christmas special editions and the, like, summer and holidays because then I lose my place Absolutely. In the world. Well, Christmas... I, they only wrote the one Christmas one so far. I mean, later on, there'll be more Christmas books, famously. But <laughs> so far in the special editions, they've focused more on summer and a little bit on spring break. But it is Christmas is a little bit of a problem in this kind of ambiguous timeline. And I think it's significant that something that ha- an event that happened in the in a special edition book is now coming back, like is known. So we know that we're like post Christmas in the world of the books. I mean, it's impossible. And it will drive you crazy to try and impose a timeline uh, onto these books. But but it, it does in some way, because now it's perpetually junior year. But now you've told me this is somewhere between January and June. Yeah, like it's it's absolutely it's got to be in that timeline. 
And now, so now I'm like, wait, so she's been with Jeffrey for how long then? And it becomes, yeah. you know, I'm like, you weren't really with Todd for that long then. And now you're with Jeffrey and it's, it's been much well, longer. I mean, than- even if we're going to grant the impossibility, like the impossibility of the timeline, and we're just measuring based on books, book 23, that's so that's the, Todd and Elizabeth get together in book one or two. Uh, the first book is about Todd having a crush on Elizabeth and Jessica kind of messing it up, right? Then he leaves in book 23. And now it's book 58. Now, Jeffrey didn't get onto the scene immediately. Jeffrey joined the party at about book 30, 31. But that's still more than 23 books worth of relationships. So, you know, crunch the numbers there. She's been with Jeffrey longer than she was with Todd. Yeah. (laughs) Well, especially if we know then, because they were together sometime in the fall of junior year. And he left sometime in the fall of junior year. <laughs> yes, like year. they were together because for like he came back a to month. visit at Christmas. Right? Her first love is how she describes him in this book. Her first love. Um, and she's clearly, that haunts her somewhat too. But I guess we should say in the interest of, of moving forward through the plot of this book, which we probably could get to pretty quickly, but we might as well go through the <laughs> twists and turns because that's what Sweet Valley Diaries is all about. <laughs> Eventually, she does get a letter from Todd, and she sees based on the postmark that it's been, it's like gone everywhere. Like it basically got lost in the mail, and he sent it. Yeah. The, the postmark is from like three weeks ago. It's like pandemic level mail <laughs> yes, madness. It is. <laughs> and for, for, I don't know, global listeners, if this happened where you live, but here in the States, we had some issues uh, with the mail during the pandemic. Not not totally cleared up, but a little better now. But oh my gosh, trying to send something for a while, it was like really up in the air. Anyway, the the message is like, it's all about, I mean, it's this heartfelt letter from Todd. And it says, oh my gosh, if she'd actually gotten this letter, she really would have been under anxiety for a longer time. Because it <laughs> spells out like, I'm not seeing anybody. I know that you are all, but I still have feelings for you. I can't wait to see you. I'll be home on Sunday, the 15th or whatever it says. I might have made that up. Right. But and She's the first person he wrote to. It is kind of heartbreaking. Because then you know, this poor teenage boy who has put something on the line has been sitting there packing up going, wow, Elizabeth hasn't called me or written to me. I guess she hates Yeah. And so that is actually a really interesting glimpse into Todd's mindset. So that's one boy. Then, of course, the other boy is Jeffrey. And this book also offers an interesting glimpse into his mindset because Jeffrey, it sounds like, has heard a lot about Todd, and it's all been like, oh, Todd's the coolest dude. He was a basketball star. Everybody, he's so great. He's our buddy. He moved away. So Todd is this, like, big man on campus. Hasn't heard that much from Elizabeth about what their relationship was like, but just sort of knows. The only other guy my girlfriend has dated (laughs) is this amazing guy named Todd, and now he's moving back to town. I mean, Jeffrey... Jeffrey French is the best of us. So. Well, that will be borne out before the book is through. <laughs> but so here's a here's a glimpse from of Jeffrey's perspective on Todd before Todd returns. Elizabeth has just kind of told Jeffrey that Todd is coming back. And Elizabeth, I guess to her credit, rather than just being like, Jeffrey, I know you must be worried about Todd, but you shouldn't worry about him. I love you the most. Elizabeth is, like, really carefully not saying that because she doesn't know how she feels. Like, she's also not telling Jeffrey that. But 
she's just like, I can't lie to him. So instead, I just will say nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's it's morally gray, uh, <laughs> her decision. But okay. So here's Jeffrey's uh, POV. What sort of threat was Todd Wilkins? When Jeffrey first started seeing Elizabeth, he knew there had been a serious romance in her past, but Jeffrey had never felt Todd's memory come between them. Until now. And now it wasn't just Todd's memory that was troublesome, it was Todd himself, who would be back in town any day. And not only that, but he had a new and improved image. Apparently he used to be a nice, ordinary guy, a regular Sweet Valley High junior. Sure, he was a basketball star and all that, but he wasn't Superman. Now, though, Todd's dad had become a corporate president, and Todd would have an affluent lifestyle that impressed even Lila Fowler. So how about that? <laughs> Shall we get into that business? Oh, I mean, I do want to talk about Todd being a basketball star, because... <laughs> one, again, timeline, their whole relationship happens in the fall of junior year. Maybe he was just really basketball great on the JV team in the sophomore year. <laughs> right. Like, was he a basketball star as a freshman, as a sophomore? Like, what what has he done for Sweet Valley High? Because it's not basketball Man, season. Man, he's been an, maybe he's been an ace on that team since sixth grade, you know? He's always been basketball <laughs> right? man. He had an early growth spurt. I don't know. We're just making up Todd stories now. <laughs> uh, but Todd's dad has become the president of something called... I want to say Vivitronics, <laughs> something, something like that. Something wonderfully yeah. 80s. And Todd is moving into, like, so he's moving into a, a house on the same street as Fowler Crest. And he's not going to go to Sweet Valley High. He's going to go to a school who's the name of which I didn't really uh, fully appreciate until I said it out loud uh, a little bit before we started recording. Love It Academy. <laughs> L-O-V-E-T-T, Lovett Academy. I don't know, Todd's this, like, big shot. I mean, that seems like it has red flags of its own, because, like, we already have had characters, like, uh, when Roger Barrett became Roger Patman, he it mm. put a lot of strain on his relationship with Olivia Davidson, which, I th- these, this book doesn't mention that at all. Like, nobody's really that worried about if, if Elizabeth and Todd's relationship is going to be strained in the future because of, I mean, that might be fodder for the next books, we'll see. But... Not to get ahead of ourselves. Oh. Um, but Todd going to Love It Academy is especially interesting to Jessica. Who is looking for a husband <laughs> at 16 years old. This seems like an appropriate part of the podcast to uh, talk about boys. <laughs> oh, 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 a beautiful boy, a beautiful boy. So here's something that uh, Jessica thinks. I've got a few little passages here about this. If Elizabeth got back together with Todd, she would probably start spending some time with him at Love It, and Jessica would join them. She had absolutely no qualms about playing the part of the third wheel. After all, she would only tag along enough to find a fourth wheel, her very own Love It man. (laughs) And then... um, it goes on. She's uh, ogling at a couple of Sweet Valley boys. Excuse me, you two. Jessica walked away from Aaron and Ken, flashing them both a big smile. They were both very attractive. She had dated each of them a number of times. 
In fact, not too long ago, she had contemplated falling in love with Ken for lack of anything better to do. Which, by the way, this book hasn't forgotten the events of uh, Lost at Sea, but apparently (laughs) the book right after Lost at Sea (laughs) forgot what happened in Lost at Sea. Granted, they're not talking about Jessica getting lost at sea, but anyway. Continuing on, uh, the romantic possibilities at Sweet Valley High were really wearing thin. But now, a whole new world was about to open up before her. Jessica was convinced she was going to have access to a whole new student body. Or bodies, she thought, oh. giggling. <laughs> oh, Jessica. I just It's wearing thin because you've dated all of Sweet Valley High. <laughs> Yeah. She didn't even make it happen with Ken again. She just like had a flirtatious conversation with him where they reminisced about how they dated once before the books even started. So (laughs) she's just impatient. She's really excited about these love it boys, their student bodies. They can set her up for life. Like throughout this book, it's continually about Jessica checking these men out and going, I feel like a politician's wife or, oh, yes. This is what these people do and how the other half lives and, oh, the BMW, oh, the Mercedes, oh, the... Yeah. But, and they talk about, there's something that, some phrase, oh, Elizabeth says something about the Wilkins were comfortably well off, just like the Wakefields. Yeah, that's before. I noticed that too. Comfortably well off is how they were. It's like, Jesus Christ, this town. So you're rich. You're rich. Comfortably well off. Comfortably well off is code for upper middle class. So now Todd's going from being upper middle class to being just upper, upper class. And so Todd shows up, he comes home, and he calls Elizabeth from the airport on a payphone. And is like, I'm going to drop my stuff off at the house, and then I'm coming straight over to you. And he shows up in a shiny black BMW, so whatever, his old Datsun he sold once upon a time, and now he's got a shiny black BMW. He's moving up in the world. Because it was... Just waiting at the house for him. Yeah, I don't know. And I, th- I would have thought it was also, a rental car or something, except uh, he continues to drive it throughout the book. He's so thirsty because <laughs> this girl has not responded to him for three weeks. And he's still calling her from LAX being like, hey, I had to put money into this telephone because it's the 80s. so that I can talk to you and I'm going to come over even though I know you have a boyfriend Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. yeah and I mean it's awkward for Elizabeth with Jeffrey there's a lot of like oh it would be so natural to just kiss Todd right now but I can't kiss him because he's not my boyfriend you know and then it seems like at a certain point she's kind of doubling down on spending time with Jeffrey too like if, if I just spend more time with Jeffrey, then that will make it clear to me that he's the one that is my boyfriend. <laughs> like, I'll forget, thinking, I'll stop thinking about Todd. But this is where Jessica's scheming around Love It kind of factors in. Because, uh, oh, so Winston Egbert has a party at his house where uh, it's basically like in Todd's honor. Like, hey, welcome back, Todd. And everybody comes. And that's where Jeffrey and Todd meet each other for the first time. Also, why is Winston having a party? 
You know, how is all of Sweet Valley High suddenly showing up for Winston's party? (laughs) Well, I think it's really for Todd. But like, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I don't know if this will have come across in the podcast, but there's this like undercurrent that has popped up throughout the series, but never really gotten its own kind of storyline that it seems like Winston and Todd or and their like parents are really good friends. Winston's mom was like one of the first people that found out that the Wilkinses were moving home. When Todd comes back to town briefly and for a couple of books, he stays at the Egbert's house. So even though Todd and Winston don't seem like they're best buddies or anything, there's definitely some kind of like lore that is baked into these books about the Egberts and yeah. the Wilkinses. Curiously. I still don't see all of Sweet Valley High showing up at Winston Egbert's house. I guess it's only (laughs) because of Todd. Yeah, I think it might be. But I don't know, Winston is sort of like low-key popular in his way. I mean, he's not literally popular, but it's like his class clown status gets him in with all the the cool kids. Plus, there was the being lost at sea. So, (laughs) (laughs) right. That'll that'll really bump you up in the uh, in the local uh, like celebrity moment of the high school. So I would say that Todd and Jeffrey like meeting at this party. It's like awkward, but it's not openly antagonistic. I think what I love about that moment is Jessica forces it to happen. Yeah, she just this is how she's trying to help her sister. She's like, here, I'm going to bring Todd over. Look at them both, Liz. Look at, like, she's trying to send her, like, (laughs) yeah, the book literally says if she sees them standing next to each other, it'll be easier for her to make a decision, which says a lot about Jessica's uh, standards. Like, her rubric for how she's judging men is purely based on, like, let's have a lineup and we'll pick pick them that way. Which served her so well. She's run out of men at Sweet Valley High. Anyway, so now so now she's getting on to, to Love It Academy, and she gets Todd to take them there one day, which I was like, what day is this, and why are they not at their own high school on this day? But Todd takes them around at Love It Academy, which is in a nearby town called Cedar something. Yeah, it's called Ojai. They go to Ojai. <laughs> they go up to Ojai. They go to a boarding school in Ojai. All right. Well, it's coded. Ojai is coded as Cedar something. Oh, I think maybe this is where Jessica went with that boy that she was cheating on Aaron with uh, in Two Boy Weekend. Every weekend is Two Boy Weekend for <laughs> Jessica Wakefield. Well, and now for Elizabeth, too, apparently. So... At this party, there are a few people around, right? There's um, somebody named Courtney Kane, who it, Todd has been spotted with at the at the country club. His parents are member of the members of the country club now, and that's slightly troubling. But um, all the reports of this are kind of like through Lila Fowler, so Elizabeth's trying not to, to give it too much credence. So Courtney Kane is there, and. There is a fellow named Sheffield Eastman. (laughs) Sheffield Eastman enters the scene thusly. Todd, I see you brought Elizabeth, a deep male voice observed. Then the speaker chuckled. Whoa, two Elizabeths. Jessica and Elizabeth both turned and looked right into the clear blue eyes of a boy who could have passed for a young Paul Newman. Elizabeth felt Jessica elbow her sharply in the ribs. 
Yep, this is Elizabeth Wakefield, Liz. Todd put an arm around her waist and Elizabeth suddenly felt relaxed and secure. It was reassuring to know Todd had told at least one of his new friends about her. And this is Jessica, Liz's twin sister. Liz, Jess, I'd like you to meet Sheffield Eastman. Sheffield shook their hands, dazzling them with a perfect smile, but despite his looks and the designer cut of his sports jacket, his manner wasn't in the least snobby. I'm glad to meet you both, he said. So, this is the guy that Jessica's got her sights set on now. Sheffield Eastman. So, it's the 80s. <laughs> so, you're picturing his uh, his sports jacket and his, like, embroidered, like, gold. Well, I'm having a hard time with the Paul Newman. Like, were girls in the 80s into Paul, teenage girls into Paul Newman? Not... Not Eric Stoltz, not Michael J. Fox, not Robert Downey Jr. It's so funny that you should mention that because when I read it and I saw that the authors had had the restraint to write a young Paul Newman, I was like, oh, good. So you recognize that you are older than the girls, the audience that's reading this book and that it would that those girls are not lusting after Paul Newman in 1989. So right, it would be something if Alice had said it. If Alice was like, he reminds me of a young Paul Newman, I'd be like, okay, that's a mom thing to say. Right, but instead we're like in the these teenagers' heads. I mean, young Paul Newman can get it, but like it is it is kind of funny that that, that stood out to me as well. But I was uh ready to sort of be like, okay, good job. At least you said young Paul Newman book. <laughs> I'm seeing here that uh, Mr. Wilkins is now the president of Veritronics. I don't know if that's what I said before. Uh, that's something 80s and tronic. Okay, I'll listen back and see if I said Veritronics <laughs> the first time. Um, so while they're at this party, so they're at this party, the Love Academy is a school where some of the kids are boarders and some of the kids are commuters. So like Todd and Sheffield are both commuters. It's so interesting the way that this book bends over backwards to like justify the existence of a school like this and why Lila Fowler and Bruce Patman don't go there, even though they're so, so rich. But this is like maybe the second or third time we've gotten a glimpse into this other world beyond Sweet Valley where people are even richer. <laughs> they are in Sweet Valley. Uh, it's just like, whoa. One of those super, super rich people is this Courtney Kane character. I mean, Courtney Kane. Yeah. Couldn't be more 80s or else like a Batman villain. Yes, definitely sounds like a Batman villain. Uh, like, I wonder what her alter ego is. Mm-hmm. She's like, horse girl. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that was the first because thing that came to mind. I don't know if there's a bad... That's a feature of the book. She just thunders around the boarding school on a horse. Right, right. There's a moment when we are suddenly just like deftly, the book starts a new chapter and shifts us right into Courtney Kane's POV in a way that only a Sweet Valley High novel can. <laughs> All out of nowhere, this character that did not exist before this book gets her own POV and we get to see that she is up to no good. Um, but before we get that, um, here is how Courtney's like very existence is already playing into the whole Elizabeth Todd Jeffrey love triangle. So as I mentioned, Todd and Courtney have been like going to the country club together a little bit. And Elizabeth has heard about it. And Todd's like, listen, I my, my parents kind of want us to hang out together because she's uh her, the daughter of somebody that's her dad is the chairman of the board for Veritronics. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Elizabeth paled slightly. So what you're saying is that you had to be Courtney's date because of your dad's new position, kind of like having to attend private school. And playing tennis at the club, she added silently. Exactly. Todd appeared relieved that Elizabeth understood. It's all pretty dull, Liz. This school and that reception last night. Believe me, I'd much rather be hanging out at the Dairy Burger. As they made their way to the refreshment table for a drink, Elizabeth wished she could believe Todd. But it didn't look dull to Elizabeth. Todd seemed to be enjoying himself. Which was fine, Elizabeth decided firmly. She was dating another boy and had absolutely no claim on Todd. And really, he must think she was naive if he expected her to believe that escorting rich, beautiful Courtney Kane was a chore to him. Why doesn't Todd just come right out and say it, Elizabeth thought, accepting a glass of iced tea garnished with lemon. He had only invited her to love it today because he felt it was the polite thing to do. But taking her and Jessica for a tour and letting them tag along at this party... That was the real chore. So Elizabeth is like, I might as well face it. Todd's lost to me. <laughs> this is like halfway through the book. She's doubling down on, on Jeffrey based on just like things that she's making up in the moment. She's doubling down on Jeffrey, who is her boyfriend <laughs> and is upset. Even though in her head, she's like, how will I ever make a choice? No one has asked her to make a choice. <laughs> no one has asked for this. Well, Todd even tells her at some point, I don't remember if it's before or after this, like, I will wait for you. And Elizabeth is like, no, Todd, that's not fair. And he's like, I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. I do what I want. And I'm going to wait for you to not be dating Jeffrey anymore. Like, not just I'll wait for you to make a decision, but basically, like, I'll wait for you to be free. <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So creepy from a 16-year-old boy. When you're a hot commodity like Todd, you know? Yes, yes. (laughs) As the book continues, we do get that POV from Courtney Kane, where she's riding a horse called Moonshadow at school, and the, like, school (laughs) stable master is like, you better be back in an hour. And she's like, maybe. (laughs) And she rides a horse to go... Over to wherever Sheffield Eastman is playing tennis with his brother, whose name is Kent. So it's very rich white people in the 1980s at this point. Uh, Or maybe still today. I don't know. But here's something that Courtney thinks. It was a beautiful sunny Monday. And everything's going my way, Courtney thought, smiling. She recalled her conversation with Lila Fowler at the country club on Friday. Lila had been shameless. She might as well have taken notes. But after all, that was what Courtney wanted. She wanted Lila to absorb every word and then repeat them syllable for syllable for Elizabeth Wakefield's benefit. Poor Lila, Courtney said out loud to Moonshadow, ducking her head to avoid a low tree branch. It really is too bad her father didn't send her to love it. She has everything in the world going for her, but she could use a little polish. (laughs) This is Courtney talking to a horse about Lila Fowler. (laughs) I just want to highlight that. Talking to a horse about Lila Fowler. Just... What are these grounds? Like, she takes off. Like, is she going through the woods to get to a tennis court? Like, why is she avoiding tree branches? What is she doing? I just don't know. But I do know that she's scheming because she goes and tells Sheffield Eastman um, that 
Jeffrey has given a, so she's talking like fully telling stories about kids from other schools that are somehow related to this other new kid they all just met right so she's like Elizabeth Wakefield Todd really seems hung up on her but she has a boyfriend Jeffrey French and Jeffrey just gave Elizabeth a ring so it's practically like they're engaged she just makes this up wholesale and is like Sheffield don't tell anybody about this so she's like really scheming. She's sure, uh, just like she was sure with Lila, she's sure that Sheffield is going to talk to Todd about it now. And he does. So she's a criminal mastermind, this girl. She really is. She's conniving. She is a true 80s soap opera drama villain. Yeah. She she is, what were all those sh- like knots landing? <laughs> um, well, Dynasty. Falcon Crest. Yeah. <laughs> Not since, and in here in Sweet Valley, not since Annie Sue back in Kansas have we gotten such a schemer. And before her, Suzanne Devlin. So <laughs> we have a rich history of snobby rich schemers. Um, but it's been a while. So I'm gl- I was glad to see a new one back. Oh, wait, no, I forgot about the girl that Aaron, not Aaron. Oh, I called him Aaron earlier, too. AJ. AJ Morgan. Oh, Jessica's old boyfriend's name is AJ Morgan, not Aaron. Did AJ happen already? Yep. And uh, oh. AJ was also, there was a sexy girl that was trying to lure him away from Jessica when Jessica was being a real wet blanket. So I don't remember her name right now, but she was another, she was even, she was maybe of all of these people the most like Courtney Kane. Because she even went to like a snobby private school nearby and she was very voluptuous and a femme fatale type. <laughs> I love it. I love it. AJ already happened? <laughs> yep. Does that mean Sam happened too already? Oh, I don't know anything about Sam. Oh. So exciting. I love it when I don't hear about things I don't know about <laughs> yet. Um, okay. So keeping an eye out for Sam. And uh, yeah, so... It's basically like Jessica is going on dates with Sheffield Eastman. He seems cool. And his big thing is that he is nice. He's like a nice, good guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's his deal. But then we have Elizabeth trying to figure out, like, she has this, for once, like, actually helpful conversation with her mother. Alice Wakefield is helpful. (laughs) And gives her, like, some pretty solid advice, I thought. Which was, she finds out that... Elizabeth, in trying to decide between Jeffrey and Todd, has kind of been making all these pro-con lists. But Alice is like, did you fall in love with Todd because of a list of his good qualities? Like, did you fall in love with Jeffrey because of a list of his good qualities? Like, no. A list is not going (laughs) to tell you what you need to do here. You have to listen to your feelings. What did you think of that? I like when Alice gets her her mom on. She doesn't often... (laughs) Right. Well, as long as we're talking about Alice Wakefield, who is a interior decorator, this book revealed a, a deliciously juicy home decor detail at the Wakefield's house that apparently they have a copper colored refrigerator. I did not notice that. Yeah, uh, that just that jumped out at me. I don't think that that has ever been described as such before. And I, I was doing some Googling trying to see what the copper colored refrigerator might have looked like. And uh Still not totally sure, but it seemed like a 70s thing that was happening. We had actually, it made me remember that we had a, like, Harvest Gold refrigerator when I was growing up. Like, very 70s. I mean, my parents got married in the 80s, so the refrigerator was probably from, like, 1981 or something. But, yeah, Harvest Gold, it was 
ugly as hell, but I didn't know any better. You know, <laughs> it's just our refrigerator. God, I, I've never thought about it. Like, I couldn't tell you what color our refrigerator was growing up. <laughs> well, it's probably because it was likely a normal, a normal refrigerator color, like white or <laughs> chrome. Yeah, yeah. What's happening, like, what we're careening quickly toward here is that Todd Wilkins is having a big party at his house, of course, to, like, introduce his house and his, like, new status and everything, the fact that he's back to the town. He's told Elizabeth about it. But because of Courtney Kane's scheming, there's all this, like, confusion about whether Todd is going to ask Elizabeth to be his date, which would be pretty bold, frankly. Or, like, is he going to ask Courtney to be his date? Is Courtney going to co-host the party with him? Like, there are all these rumors flying around. Yeah. Elizabeth finally gets this, like, formal invitation in the mail. Like, she thought it was just going to be, like, a casual party. But she doesn't know the new <laughs> Wilkinses, I guess, because it's like engraved invitations and it's like a formal party with like fancy like prom dresses and shit, I thought. But when she gets the invitation in the mail, it says it's for Elizabeth Wakefield and friend, like to bring a date. Which again, Elizabeth is upset about, despite the fact that she has a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, and she's kind of starting to to pick up on her own hints here. That like <laughs> the fact that she's she's so distraught over the fact that Todd didn't invite her to be his date to his party that she's like, ooh, maybe that's a sign. But I'm more emotionally invested in Todd. Hmm. And poor Jeffrey is just like knows that Elizabeth is torn up about something. And Elizabeth is clearly just like going through the motions, you know, trying to put on a happy face, but is clearly very upset about something or other. And they go to the party together. Oh, did you notice that Elizabeth comes and picks up Jeffrey in the Fiat, but then gets out of the car and Jeffrey drives to the party? Yes. I had to go back and reread it. I was like, wait, why is Jeffrey driving a Fiat? Like, oh, I see. They really, they spelled it all out for us. Super, super yeah. feminist. Uh, let's switch yeah. places so you can drive me to the party. To your ex-boyfriend's party. <laughs> yeah. And they walk up in this place, which is like down, this is where we find out that it's like on the same street as the Fowler Crest, whatever that means. And... uh it's huge and imposing, and Todd is there with but Courtney. But there's no valet. There's no valet. Why is there no valet? There should be a valet. It sounded like that kind of party, but I guess there's just places to park. This is clearly not in the hills. Like, um, when it, sorry, this is, I'm like speaking it, from personal experience as like someone who lives in in LA and has worked for wealthy people that lived in the literal hills of Beverly Hills. You kind of do have to hire a valet because there's no place to park. Those streets are no. so windy and narrow. And they say that there are already a couple dozen cars parked. Yeah. Well, I guess it's just another mark towards this liter not being the Los Angeles like metro area. Because <laughs> wherever they're parked, wherever whatever hill they lived on, there must be some like wide ass drives for people to to <laughs> build their own magnificent driveways on or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Parking lots. Parking lots. <laughs> Oh, that's the next wave in uh, the 1% uh, building schemes, uh, <laughs> their own parking lots. So, okay, we've got this party, Elizabeth, the whole party, she's just like counting down the minutes until it will be over, essentially. 
Uh, she just doesn't talk to Jeffrey anymore. They're still together. She just doesn't ever speak to him. And he's really <laughs> trying to be a good sport. But um, there was this moment when uh, things, I don't know, I was kind of wondering, like, how is this all going to come out? Like, what's going to happen? And the book had some real intrigue to deliver for us. Uh, Jeffrey, over Elizabeth's shoulder while they're dancing, sees Courtney Kane slip a note in Elizabeth's, like, jacket or purse or something. And Jeffrey's like, hmm, I wonder what's up. Elizabeth goes to the bathroom and Jeffrey goes to find Courtney, who has just slipped this note in Elizabeth's uh, whatever purse. <laughs> Do you remember whether it's her purse or her pocket? It's really not important. It's her pocket. Okay. Yeah. Courtney wrote this completely false note from Todd telling Elizabeth to come meet him out in a gazebo. And then she's all, oh, I don't feel well, Todd. Please take me out from some air. But makes him walk across the whole dang property <laughs> through an orange grove to a gazebo. She says that she wants to lie down in the gazebo, which I thought was so weird. Like, does this gazebo have beds? Like, I, like I'm familiar with the concept of a gazebo. You know, I lived in a small town that had one, uh, several, in fact. Uh, I read lots of romance novels. Gazebos are often important fixtures in those they don't usually have like beds or like even like a chaise long like they don't usually have that i mean sound of music you get some benches i guess she, she could lie on the bench yeah Ooh. that's so bizarre <laughs> past the orange grove in the gazebo what <laughs> yeah you have an orange grove not some orange trees that also and was giving me serious romance novel vibes like like re historical romance novel this like whole property that they have and it's yeah. a secret meeting because like you know the couples have to go meet where it's dark and nobody will see them you know if they're gonna have a rendezvous or else they'll, they'll be they'll be a scandal right that happens on bridgerton so <laughs> um but also in romance novels like the ones that the bridgerton series is based on but uh todd's like dragging her the whole way yeah she's because she's like she turns so she pretends to turn her ankle also something <laughs> that has definitely happened in romance novels that i've read <laughs> First, it's I have a headache. Please help me outside. It's too loud okay. everywhere. Even outside the party, it's too loud. Listen, I get migraines. No one has ever had to help me get somewhere. Yeah, and Todd is weirdly like, he's both like, this seems like a lot, but he's like going along with it. Even when she says she wants to lie down in the gazebo, he's like, <laughs> okay, if okay. that's what you want. <laughs> is what he says something like that if that's what you want if that's what you want to do so he takes her there and meanwhile elizabeth is in the bathroom she's reading the note which she notices was printed and todd never prints but she just noticed you know she didn't think that much about it <laughs> which was like oh todd is a cursive boy okay another thing i like about todd <laughs> well everybody was in the 80s but um it's just such a weird like point like does he i don't know um so then courtney like as soon as they get to the gazebo she's like all hands and she gets real handsy with todd and then she starts kissing him and you know todd being a 16 year old boy when he finds that someone is kissing him he returns the kiss just a little bit you're like oh this is happening now okay <laughs> <laughs> um i can't really fault him for that even though 
as soon as it's over, he's just like in a daze. And he he has no idea that Elizabeth has like sneaked up on them and seen this happen. He's completely unaware. But not just Elizabeth. Yes. Tell them, tell the gladiators what happened. Because Jeffrey has gone off to find out what is going on with Courtney as well. He's been following Courtney. So he he heard her whole speech to Todd, her whole trumped up speech. He knows exactly what has unfolded. And he has seen the look on Elizabeth's face when she caught them kissing. But nobody has seen him with his glowing blonde hair <laughs> and in eyes. the shadow. <laughs> his, his luminous eyes, his literally <laughs> like flashlight hair. And he is... He, he Elizabeth even drops the note from Courtney. So he has the benefit of being able to read exactly what he Elizabeth saw. And he puts all the pieces together. And then bless his heart. <sighs> because Jeffrey French is the best of us. Okay, so here's what Jeffrey thinks. Now I'm the one who has to make a choice, Jeffrey realized. Jeffrey knew whom he loved. Oh, love that grammar. Okay. Jeffrey knew whom he loved. Elizabeth was the most important person in his life, and he would do anything to keep her. And he could keep her by staying quiet about what he'd seen. She and Todd would never know how Courtney Kane had manipulated them. But I'd know, Jeffrey thought, heaving a troubled sigh. He knew he would pay for it every day, every time he was with Elizabeth. In order to have her all to himself, Jeffrey would have to shoulder a heavy load of guilt. He could keep quiet and feel guilty, or he could tell Todd the truth about Courtney's scheming and risk losing Elizabeth forever. And he goes on and thinks about how great Elizabeth is and thinks, Elizabeth had never let him down. And I can't let her down now. Jeffrey's throat ached with unshed tears. In the end, if I really love her, isn't it her happiness that's most important? (sighs) I mean. I mean, that's it. But also, Elizabeth has been letting you down for weeks, Jeffrey. She has been with Todd in her mind that whole time. (laughs) They even sort of kissed once, although both of them was like, not counting it as real like because their lips brushed and i'm sorry like not to pull out the rule book on kissing and like cheating behavior here but i'm pretty sure if two people's lips touch that means that they kissed (laughs) when i was in high school uh i don't know we were on a trip somewhere and my best friend was with us and there were always these like boys at hotels and stuff And I definitely got into a situation where I was like, I don't know. I don't know what happened, whatever. And I remember Christy Rouse looking at me by vending machines and going, did his lips touch yours? Then you kiss. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I... I'm so glad that you told that story. I live on Sweet Valley Diaries for an actual true life high school drama story. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and and they and did they? Had they? I mean, yes. Yes. Right. I guess I was just very So Christy was right. You Christy was right. You had kissed and Elizabeth and Todd kissed, even though it was like an accident. <laughs> I don't know. She does not bring that up to Jeffrey. And um, she like runs away right after it happens and Todd's they're both kind of like I wonder if that's good or not like is that a good sign that she ran away after we sort of almost kind of kissed 
No. <laughs> but a good sign for who? I don't know. <laughs> it's all just so confused. Speaking of confused people, Elizabeth is really upset and confused. She leaves the goddamn party. She takes her Fiat and she now she learned how to drive it again. I guess she drives it to Seca Lake. Which this book is Le- leaves Jeffrey leaves there. Jeffrey there doesn't tell a soul. He, She's just like so she does distraught. look for him. She does look for That's him. True, but she can't because he's out hiding. Right. In the she can't find him because <laughs> little does she know he was like feet away from her the whole time. She drives mindlessly, like swerving in her lane, like she should not be behind the wheel. And when I when the book describes where she drives, it's like she's at this like at Seca Lake at night on an abandoned road that you're not supposed to drive down, <laughs> going towards a boathouse that's also abandoned. And I'm like, Elizabeth, you have been kidnapped so many times. <laughs> I was like, what is going to happen? There's not enough pages for this book to have a whole kidnap and rescue plot. But this seems bad. <laughs> it sounds like a horror movie waiting to happen. Also, this is some real, I mean, not to pull this card, like the I've read every Sweet Valley book up to this one card, but like, why am I here if not to do that? And <laughs> this is some real reverse engineering here of uh, th- this book suggesting that this abandoned boathouse at Seca Lake was a really important place to Todd and Elizabeth. So important, in fact, that when Jeffrey is the like, Ubermensch, speaking of supermen, of the whole Sweet Valley High male universe, <laughs> and tells mm-hmm. Todd what happened, what Courtney did about the letter, all of that. Todd knows that since Elizabeth's not at her house, which is the first place he goes to look for her, she must be at the abandoned boathouse at Seca Lake. Yes. Even though it's never come up before. Pretty sure it hasn't. I mean, listen, all these teens love the hell out of some Seca Lake. Like, they go to Seca Lake left, right, and center. But I never knew that an abandoned boathouse at Seca Lake was specifically Todd and Elizabeth's, like, special spot. But sure enough, it is. And Todd finds her there, and he tells her what happened, and he's left his own party Elizabeth had been nestled in the crook of Todd's arm. Now she sat up and pulled away from him slightly. Jeffrey, she thought. Todd and I wouldn't be together at this moment if it weren't for Jeffrey. He had been the one to figure out what Courtney had done. Then he'd shared the truth with Todd, even though he must have known he might be sending Todd straight into Elizabeth's arms. It was a brave, generous, and unselfish thing to do. Elizabeth's throat ached, the tears threatening once again. That's very similar to Jeffrey's throat recently. Okay, maybe they have the same illness. <laughs> Jeffrey had done many sweet things for her over the course of their relationship, but this last gesture was perhaps the sweetest of all. At which point, I guess the book could have been like, Elizabeth realized that this one unselfish act of love was worth more to her than anything she and Todd had ever shared. And also, she's been dating Jeffrey for 28 books, and she only dated Todd for 23. But um, it doesn't. Instead, it's just like, Todd, it's as if you never left. <laughs> because he was only gone for like three weeks. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Todd literally does say, it's like I never left. And Elizabeth's like, no, things are different now. And that's the setup to- You're rich. That's, yeah, right? <laughs> and, and and you don't go to my, my school anymore. Um, and you live in this giant house and you've got like scheming chicks trying to, trying to trick you. But um, that is the setup then to the, the tease for book- 59 
which uh, would you care to read the little teaser for book 59? I just closed everything. <laughs> well, I want to, as while you're pulling it up, let me just read the last couple sentences. She and Todd had shared the past and conquered the obstacles of the present. Their future together started tomorrow. I mean, I would argue that their future <laughs> started right every second is the beginning <laughs> of the future, but whatever. Uh, semantics. And it could be, would be, even better than their past. So some real oh. bold time time play from these books where time doesn't really exist. But anyway, go ahead. Is everything rosy in Elizabeth and Todd's future? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 59, In Love Again. That's exciting. So back for more. Is it going to be just like before? As I recall, just like before for Elizabeth and Todd is like Elizabeth constantly the least rational about everything related to Todd as that she is about anything in her entire life. <laughs> as already evidenced in this book from the moment he is going to return, Elizabeth's uh, innate rationality is just like thrown out the window. She'll pay for it. Yeah, probably. Well, I mean, and whether or not, like, you never mind. I don't even want to get into it. I was going to make a comment about Sweet Valley Confidential. Gladiators, if you ever hear me say something that seems to be disregarding the events of Sweet Valley Confidential, you can go ahead and just trust that I know what happens in Sweet Valley Confidential, and I just don't fully accept it. So, um, and it's Elizabeth's own fault for choosing someone <laughs> other than Jeffrey French. Well, Jeffrey French isn't even in those books. So I, it makes me wonder, like, what's going to happen to Jeffrey French before these <laughs> books are out? But anyway, um, you have a lot of thoughts and feelings, as I recall, about Jeffrey French, some of which we've gotten a little glimpse at. Let's, uh, let's remember Jeffrey French together in our extra drama episode next week. For now... Do you have any thoughts about whether you're an Elizabeth or a Jessica? Or someone else? A Courtney Kane, maybe? I have always been an Elizabeth. Until we get to this book. <laughs> sure. So you're an Elizabeth with Jeffrey. Elizabeth, <laughs> yes. yeah, a Jeffrey Elizabeth, yeah. we'll call it. I don't like what she does. It's out of character for Elizabeth how irrational she is. It, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I am a Jeffrey French fan. And if I had to make a list, it would be Jeffrey. Mm, yeah. Well, and I wish the book had given us the benefit of Elizabeth's lists. Like, what were the things about Jeffrey versus Todd? What was she putting on her list? And we don't really get a glimpse of that. Maybe she liked basketball over soccer. Yep. Yeah, maybe she likes chestnut brown hair and silver blonde hair this this is the thing jessica being jessica when she actually gets a relationship i feel like is a way more devoted girlfriend than elizabeth interesting is. oh well we can't end this episode without letting the gladiators know what goes down with sheffield <laughs> eastman okay here here's this in in closing so, sort of Sheffield has had this uh, thing he's been alluding to throughout the brief time he's known Jessica, which is that he's making a special petition to spend his senior year doing this um, like special trip, uh, taking some time away from school. And we know that he's like a globetrotter. He has been to Africa. He's been to Switzerland, surely. He's been to Great Britain. <laughs> he's been all around 
Greece and he's been a lot of places. So Jessica is like trying to get him to talk to the other, like her friends at the party about about him so that she can basically like, they can be jealous of her and like bask in how cool and awesome and like suave he is. So here is what Sheffield finally reveals like what his big plan is to have like special dispensation to do something more involved than just like writing a paper for his like senior project. Okay. So I asked to take a semester off to do some special research for my thesis, and my proposal was just approved, he announced excitedly. Jessica beamed. Sheffield would probably be spending the semester touring the medieval cathedrals of Europe trading bonds on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, climbing Mount Everest. What does your project involve? asked Ken. Jessica held her breath. She kept her eyes trained on Lila's face. This was one reaction she didn't want to miss. Well, for a while now, I've really been thinking about my lifestyle and privileges, Sheffield began. I have everything I need to be comfortable and a lot more, but there are a lot of people who aren't nearly so fortunate. I've been volunteering occasionally at a homeless shelter in Santa Barbara, and next year, I'll be living there and working full-time. It took a moment for Sheffield's words to sink into Jessica's brain. She watched as Lila's pout changed into a look of amusement. A homeless shelter? What? Jessica turned and stared disbelievingly at Sheffield. (laughs) So... This is like a fucking deal breaker for Jessica. Like, she's so offended that he's going to do this. One, what does he mean he's going to live at a homeless shelter? Like, I kind of how problematic that is. Like, you're taking a bed from a homeless person. Maybe he means like he's going to live in Santa Barbara and work full time at the homeless shelter. But like, let's, let's absolve like, Sheffield of any of any uh, any doubts here, because I want to focus on Jessica and Lila's reaction to this. Like, you're doing what? Like, gross. <laughs> he says he's going to sell his Mercedes to donate the money to charity. And Jessica thinks, his Mercedes? That gorgeous midnight blue car in which she arrived at the party? Jessica just kept staring at Sheffield. How could he do this to her? <laughs> it's just so disgusting. Oh my god, can you imagine the like like I don't know, Gen Z like readers of a series like this like reacting to the like charitable like good works of a male character? I don't know. Never mind. I think you should have a Gen Z reader on. <laughs> yeah. To give their take. Yep. I think you're probably right. Yep. Um, well, listen, Shay, thank you immensely for going through the pain of, of losing Jeffrey yet again <laughs> uh, and being a guest on the show. It's always wonderful to have you. I hope that someday you can be back again. I don't know what the future holds for Jeffrey, but uh, we're going to keep an eye out. I'm curious. Is he going to move away? Is he going to die? Or are they just going to stop talking about him? <laughs> we'll find out. Oh, no. Um. So until next week, gladiators, Uh, This is Marissa saying, if the lips touch, it's a kiss.
That's my advice for you this week. Uh, you can uh, please tell a friend about Sweet Valley Diaries. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Sweet Valley Diaries or on Twitter at Sweet Valley. Um, I was a couple weeks ago, I was a guest on Babysitter's Club Club, much to my surprise, once again. So if you listen to their episode about Wrong Kind of Girl, book number 10, which you may recall is the book that made me start writing and blogging about Sweet Valley High uh, way back in 2006. Uh, I found it in a bin and it was shocking to me. So they called me up and I was uh, briefly a guest on the show, which was a lot of fun. Um, You can subscribe to my newsletter if you want. It's not usually about Sweet Valley High, but sometimes it is. And you can do that by going to flaxbart.substack.com. Until then, until next week, I mean to say, bye. It is, is everything rosy in Elizabeth and Todd's future? (laughs) Find out in Sweet Valley High number 59. In love again. Everything All right, see if you can parse this message that I'm sending you. Oh, yeah.